Hi, welcome everybody to another episode of the Understory podcast. Understory is a global community of innovators and entrepreneurs and organizations that are trying to help our world to become more sustainable and climate friendly. And today we're really excited to have Jason Ashami, who leads consulting at Roll Impact, to join us and kick off our February. Uh, conversations about sustainability, ESG, and so forth. Jason, welcome to our Understory podcast. First off, tell us a little bit more about you and Roll Impact. Sure. Very excited to be on today. So my name is Jason Ashami, and I'm originally from the New York City area, uh, you know, a small town called Rockaway Beach right in the ocean. But these days I live in Vermont, and I consider myself more of a Vermonter than a New Yorker. Mm -hmm. Um, My background is in the startup community, but I quickly transitioned into the sustainability space because I saw there's a drastic need for change, you know, with our climate transition. And I realized that there's a big case for, uh, you know, the business case for sustainability. And so now my expertise lies in the ESG space, particularly around sustainable business strategy, uh, impact measurement and management, or IMM as we call it, and ESG regulations. And so I've been working with a company called Row Impact. Um, and we're a tech startup that uses custom software and data analytics to, su- to support our bespoke advisory services. And so we help our clients create and formalize an ESG strategy that's designed specifically to fit their needs. Um, and we provide services on everything from materiality assessments to reporting out and everything in between. Interesting. Um, you mentioned ESG regulation and a few other things. Um, if you don't mind maybe walk our audience through, you know, what are you seeing with your clients on the ESG side? What are some of the biggest challenges? What are some of the biggest questions or the most frequent questions that you get? Absolutely. So the, the ESG space is, is pretty amorphous. Uh, and so I always take a step back and kind of explain that the movement began with the CSR movement, you know, corporate social responsibility, where businesses felt the need to kind of take responsibility for promoting a positive impact. And so ESG is uh, the next iteration of that, where it's also focused on the commercial value that it can provide to the business. Um, And so a lot of times we hear from our clients that like, you know, ESG doesn't apply to us, you know, we're not a sustainable business or our investors aren't asking for ESG yet. And so, you know, we really want to make it clear that ESG applies to everybody. And there are a lot of regulations coming out of the SEC from NASDAQ, you know, for public companies, but also for private companies. Uh, the U.S., the EU, the U.K. have all released regulations that uh, encourage businesses to report on their environmental, social, and governance aspects uh, so that there's more transparency for these businesses. And so with that, you know, we always tell everyone that ESG has a commercial value for your business in that you can use it as a competitive advantage and a way of managing risks. Uh, You know, we saw a lot of supply chain issues this year for different industries, and Mm -hmm. ESG is a way to manage those issues. And we also want to show that in doing so, it creates benefits for your business that generate positive impacts on society. And so that's what it's really all about, is using your business as a means of creating good, while also using it to benefit your company and, and push, your, you know, push your product or services further by having that kind of sustainable value proposition. And in your work, Jason, with your clients, do, do you talk to them differently when you talk about E versus S versus G in ESG? Uh, Do you talk to the same people in the same organization or 
you have different approaches in tackling kind of the each element of ESG. Yeah, absolutely. Um, ultimately, it depends on the client and, and on their specific goals. You know, that'll depend on the industry and the shape of their operations. But the ES and G need to all be balanced equally because they, they benefit each other in a way that, you know, if you focus only on one versus the other, th- the other two, you're going to be missing a lot of aspects of a strong ESG strategy and there's going to be holes that can be poked in it. And so that's what we're trying to avoid here. So, you know, in the environmental aspects, you're obviously focused on carbon emissions, uh, water, waste, things of that nature that directly impact mm-hmm. our natural environment. And then social is the way that you manage your human capital, the way that you interact with your stakeholders, including you know, your customers all the way to your investors and everyone in between. And then your governance is really how you manage both of those aspects. You know, how are you structuring your business so that everyone in the company understands your values and your mission and are aligned on using the capabilities that you have internally to promote that impact externally on the E and the S factors. And one of the things that you just mentioned, which is interesting, is uh, you know, balancing the E, S, and G and for an organization to really capture uh, the full value, they really have to think about all elements. Um, what has been some of the biggest challenge you have seen, you know, maybe from your clients or just as a domain expert in the space um, in terms of how organizations are trying to balance that um, or how they kind of wrestle with each of those elements, how they tie together, how do they organize themselves internally and with their capabilities? That's a great question. Um, And so it's interesting because sometimes you'll find companies focused solely on the E aspect and then they kind of leave out the S and G, which, you know, can result in issues later down the line. Um, And other times you'll find companies who are focused exclusively on the S side of things where they do a lot of corporate philanthropy uh, a lot of volunteering efforts. Um, and so while all of those are great in, in isolation, they don't really create the impact that we're looking for here. Um, you know, there needs to be an equal ma- balance and measurement. So one of the biggest challenges with that is using data to your advantage. And that comes from, you know, based on your current efforts, understanding where your current emissions lie, understanding your diversity, equity, and, and inclusion metrics, um, and really using that data to baseline your efforts and understand what areas you want to focus on more. You know, some areas where you might be exceeding and others where you might be falling short and how to kind of bridge that gap there so that there's a nice equal balance across the board. Excellent. So let's talk about something that um, you mentioned a couple of times, which is about uh, having the data um, to be able to drive the analytics um, and to make this very data-driven. Um, what are the kinds of data that exists out there for companies to really understand their ESG? Um, is it mostly internal data? Is it external data? Are there data that, um, you know, that are dark data, meaning trapped and people really don't know they exist, but could be used for ESG? Like what sorts of things you're seeing on the data analytics side for ESG? Mm-hmm. So the data aspect is interesting because it really runs the gamut. It's, you know, there's a saying that we always use that's, you know, you can't manage what you don't measure. Mm-hmm. And so realistically, you know, there's data for any kind of impact metric that you were interested in tracking. It's just a matter of getting creative and understanding where to find that data. Most times it does live internally. Um, 
you know, like for example, environmental data specifically around climate emissions and water use and waste, a lot of that lies in utility bills. And it's just a matter of going in and making sure you can find the right data point and organizing mm -hmm. all that data accordingly so you can run the right calculations. And then with your social metrics, that becomes a little bit more tricky because you need to get creative on how you're measuring things like stakeholder engagement, employee engagement, like I said, your, your DEI metrics. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And so, it, you know, it, it, it requires you to get a little creative and make sure that you're searching in all the right places. You know, for example, with emissions, you have scopes one, two, and three emissions and scopes one and two are more internal, but scope three refers to emissions created by your supply chain and your external partners. And so that could be a little bit harder to find because you're going to have to go to your suppliers and you're going to have to ask them for that data. But the point that we try to stress to our clients is that all of it's available. It's just a matter of making sure you can gather it, locate the right data point and organize it. And the important aspect that we focus on as well is that all of the data needs to be validated. So providing, you know, a link to the PDF where that utility bill lies or, you know, having a list of your employees. So you see where your, your DEI statistics came from. And that validity there is incredibly important because with the amount of greenwashing that's been happening in the industry right. recently, you want to make sure that if any of these regulatory bodies or if any customers or investors really are looking at your ESG reports, they can see this data. They can see where you gathered it from. There's some descriptions behind the efforts that were used to actually collect and use this data internally. And they can actually, you know, understand that, okay, this data exists. It was found here and it's, it's valid. It's, you know, it's auditable. And you talk about something that's really important, which is um, be able to validate ESG data, Jason. Is that mm -hmm. something that Roe does uh, on behalf of the clients? Um, like you, because you're the third party, you're validating those or today, it's um, it's the organization themselves uh, providing those evidence um, and, mm -hmm. uh, and and self validate. Mm -hmm. So we we don't focus so much on the validation, but more on the fact that we help these clients locate their data, mm -hmm. and we help ensure that whatever they're reporting on is auditable by a regulatory body. So we're not one of those regulatory bodies. We don't audit, uh, you know, ESG reports. But we'll make sure that if we're helping a client produce an ESG report, that the necessary data is provided and linked to it so that if someone were to go into their reports and kind of, you know, look under the hood, all of it's there and it's ready to be investigated and there's not going to be any holes in it so that, you know, the SEC can't say, hey, this data point's invalid. Uh, you know, our job is to make sure that every data point included in an ESG report comes from somewhere internally. It's not just, you know, pulled out of thin air. Right. And for our audience, um, when you say, you know, the auditors and, and the organizations that actually audit, um, who, who are they today? Um, because ESG reporting is not um, a required disclosure, right? For, uh, at least still today for, for public companies is something still um, many companies do, but um, not, not a required piece of information necessarily. So who are the auditors who are kind of the downstream partners to role impact? Mm -hmm. So actually it's interesting because ESG reporting and ESG non-financial disclosures as the SEC coins, it is actually becoming mandatory in this year. And so public companies are in going 2022. to be required. Correct. Yeah. And so the SEC has enacted their climate and ESG task force. 
And they have also included, they've expanded their definition of materiality to include non-financial disclosures, which obviously encompasses ESG. And so public companies need to start including ESG information in their 10K. The NASDAQ has asked that everyone to start uh, reporting on their board diversity and their executive diversity, uh, you know, in line with their 10Ks and also their, uh, you know, financial years. Um, and so these regulations are becoming more and more widespread and are, are going into effect this year. So that will be, uh, you know, it will be necessary. But as far as the auditors go, um, the SEC in their task force has already launched a number of investigations, you know, Allbirds being one of them. We see Allbirds as this, you know, really nice unicorn startup uh, that has a really great sustainable value proposition, but their emissions data was faulty. And so the SEC investigated them um, and found that there was a number of holes in their data. And so those are the regulatory bodies that tend to investigate is mainly the SEC ensuring that if you're reporting on something, uh, you know, it's got to be accurate and you can't be putting out these false claims into the world to try to generate, you know, an advantage around them. Um, ISS, Institutional Shareholder Services, is another one that uh, is more of a auditor and a regulatory body where they issue ESG scores based on the information that you report. And so that's another form of kind of auditing and, and regulation where um, not only ISS, but MSCI, Just Capital, there's a number of, uh, Morningstar has also launched their own version of this where a number of these bodies provide ESG ratings and rankings or risk scores to these public companies based on the information that they're reporting. So if a company were to put out an ESG report, all of those services uh, and all of those bodies are going to be looking at it and kind of taking a really analytical eye at seeing what's up with their data, how accurate is it, and are their claims, you know, supported and substantiated. Yeah, that's really important. And I'm so glad that you point this out um, to our audience. And uh, um, last question, Jason, for you is that, you know, for organizations that are on this journey and uh, they want to learn more about what you guys are doing, what you're doing, how do they reach out to you and how they find out more about Rogue Impact? Absolutely. So uh, I do just want to say, you know, uh, our mission here at Rogue Impact is to democratize access to ESG. We want everyone to be enabled to do this kind of work and to do it the right way, to set it up so that internally it's benefiting your company. And in doing so, you're using those capabilities to benefit society. And, and we need widespread action here. So the more that we can get on board with this, the better we, you know, we want to make sure that people are enabled. Um, you know, it's not just about working with us. If anyone ever has any questions, we're always happy to provide, you know, ha uh, you know, friendly conversations and consultations on what they should be doing, even if they don't want to take the next step in working with us. Um, and so with that being said, you know, we can find us at rowimpact.com is our website. Um, you can find us on LinkedIn again at, at Row Impact as well. Um, and you can also feel free to message me directly on LinkedIn and I'm I'm always happy to have friendly conversations with folks just to, to kind of unpack the ESG space, understand what's going on, what are these regulations that are coming into effect, and what can they do, uh, you know, from their side of the table to make a difference, not only for themselves, but obviously for everyone else, all the stakeholders that exist externally. Yeah, Jason, I think that's great. And uh, as you point out, a lot of things are happening in the industry and, uh, um, we, we should talk again, uh, probably at the end of 2022 or beginning of 2023 so that we can, uh, you know, talk with our audience about 
what you're seeing again throughout this year, um, as you say, um, lots of activities, uh, both on the regulatory side and what the organizations need to do or should be doing. So Jason, thank you so much again for joining us. And we look forward to seeing more of um, your impact and helping our world to become more sustainable. And uh, thank you for offering to our community to be accessible. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. And uh, yeah, I look forward to catching up again soon.